opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody. My name is Jonathan Simeone. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Demand Our Access podcast. Uh, This time will be a little bit different. Uh, We are not going to cover something technical about the law. Instead, we are covering, based on feedback from our previous episode, we are covering the topic of disability equity. Uh, We will do disability justice in a later podcast. I wanted to split them up because they're, in my view, really kind of different. And um, I wanted to hopefully have a good discussion. Uh, So the disability equity recorded portion is about 30 minutes. So I'm just going to uh, start screen sharing and play that now. And I'll be back. We aren't taking a break. Um, We're just going to go straight through the recording because there are no technical things. And I will be back at the end of the recording to take questions and hopefully have a discussion about disability equity. Disability Equity Introduction During our last episode of the Demand Our Access podcast, we had a brief discussion of disability equity and disability justice. Since so much of how I see the ADA and the other laws we have and will cover through the Demand Our Access project is influenced by how I view disability equity and disability justice, I decided we should discuss those important concepts in this space. Since disability equity and disability justice are both heavy topics, I have decided to split them into separate episodes. I'm hoping that by splitting them there will be time for some thoughtful discussion. So, this episode will focus on disability equity. The first principle of disability equity, as I have mentioned before, is nothing about us without us. And simply put, this means that things that impact the disability community should not be done without meaningful input from the disability community. I would go further and add that decisions that meaningfully impact us as people with disabilities should not be made by people who do not have disabilities. Equality and equity. Equality means each person and group of individuals is given the same amount of resources and has the same opportunities. 
Equity recognizes that each person or group of individuals has unique circumstances and allocates exact resources and opportunities necessary to provide for equal outcomes. Examples of equality. A school district spends $20,000 per student. A government holds a public meeting and provides everyone in attendance the same print agenda and meeting materials. A bank offers all of its customers the opportunity to use an app to pay bills. Under each of the three above examples, everyone is supposedly being treated exactly the same. Everyone has been provided the same resources. Everyone has been afforded the same opportunities. In these three examples, the school district, government, and bank are not making any allowances for the unique circumstances of different communities. Examples of equity. A school district spends $25,000 per student in schools where more children are living in poverty and $15,000 per student in school districts where families are wealthy. A government holds a public meeting in an accessible venue and provides the agenda and meeting materials in print, large print, and accessible electronic formats. A bank allows all customers to pay bills through an app it has developed to be accessible to users of assistive technologies. In these three examples, the school district, government, and bank took steps to recognize that not all people have the same circumstances. Here, these entities understood that simply providing everyone what on the surface seems like the same resource and opportunity actually disadvantages many people. The school district recognized that wealthy families could do more for their children than families living in poverty and provided certain schools more money to help reduce the funding disparities that have always existed in schools located in neighborhoods that aren't wealthy. The government spent additional money ensuring the venue was accessible to people with mobility disabilities and to provide materials in alternative formats. The bank spent additional money having its app coded for accessibility and having the app tested by native users of assistive technologies to ensure they have the same usability experience 
as those who don't use assistive technologies. Summing up equality and equity. As you have seen, equality ignores the reality that society has always treated people differently. Equity, on the other hand, recognizes the reality of ongoing oppression and requires additional resources and opportunities be provided to historically oppressed communities to provide more equitable outcomes. The key thing to remember about the equality versus equity debate is that equity focuses on the outcomes produced, not just the resources provided. For our purposes, a societal focus on disability equity instead of equality would force society to admit that people with disabilities are far more likely to live in poverty, be undereducated, and unemployed or underemployed than are people without disabilities. In an equitable society, we would realize that striving for equality of resources and opportunities is simply not working. In an equitable society, we would realize that to make up for the centuries of discrimination and oppression faced by disabled people, government would have to direct far more resources to the disabled community and deliberately provide additional opportunities to the disabled community. In my view, America would be a far better society had the 14th Amendment been designed to ensure equitable outcomes under the law rather than equality of opportunity under the law. A focus on equitable outcomes would have forced us to honestly examine and reckon with the lack of similar outcomes so often afforded people of color, people with disabilities, women, and more. Ableism. Ableism is the intentional or unintentional discrimination or oppression of people with disabilities. With this definition of ableism, we are acknowledging that discrimination against and oppression of people with disabilities can occur whether it is intentional or not. Again, we are focusing on the outcome of what happened. We are not looking to an individual's personal intent or the intent of society. We are simply saying that any discrimination against or oppression of a disabled person or a community of disabled people constitutes ableism. Life experience has taught me 
that most ableism is originally unintentional. Sadly, most people aren't aware of the ADA and their responsibilities to the disabled community under the ADA. When I can't pay my water bill because the water company's website is inaccessible, I am being discriminated against by the water company because of my disability. The water company didn't intend to discriminate against me as a disabled person, but the water company unintentionally discriminated against me as a disabled person when it failed to follow the ADA and never imagined how I would pay my water bill. But when I point out the inaccessibility of the water company's website and the water company does not make its website accessible, the line between intentional and unintentional discrimination gets thinner. Understanding that someone or an entire society can be ableist, whether they mean to be or not, is critical to reducing ableism and to discrimination and oppression resulting from ableism. We can no longer allow individuals or entities to claim that our discrimination and or oppression was accidental. The ADA has been law for almost 33 years. The Rehabilitation Act of 1973 has been law for 50 years. Even Section 508 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 mandating accessible electronic content be provided by the federal government has been law for 25 years. Until we stop allowing people and entities to get away with ableism, whether intentional or not, we will continue living in a society that is overwhelmingly ableist. Ableist language. Ableist language is an important concept because words really do matter. The words we use and the ways they are understood have a lot to do with how disabilities and people with disabilities are viewed the most important thing to remember is to say what you actually mean to say. In the sentence, his advice fell on deaf ears, the meaning is not that the person couldn't hear the advice being offered. The expression literally means that the person receiving the advice wasn't smart enough or interested enough to consider the advice. In other words, the expression compares the inability to hear with being less intelligent. In the sentence, you would have to be blind to not see 
how much money government wastes, the expression is indicating that blindness prevents blind people from understanding how much money is being wasted by government. I think we can all agree that eyesight is not a requirement to understand government wastes money. Words like lame, cripple, crazy, and bipolar are often used to describe things that have nothing to do with disability. They are regularly used to be insulting or to describe someone's individual, temporary feeling of inadequacy. Internalized ableism. Internalized ableism is the way that an individual absorbs and applies the beliefs and moral judgments of the dominant ableist culture at a subconscious level. In other words, it's how we absorb and apply the beliefs our society has about our disability and people with our disability and apply them to ourselves and others with our disability. Sadly, we all know blind people who believe blind people cannot work, raise children, graduate from college, and or find love. When someone believes that our disability prevents us from doing things we can obviously do, that person has internalized ableism. Instead of knowing discrimination and oppression are the reasons why many of us do not achieve what many people without disabilities achieve, they believe what society says is possible for us as blind people. Even though they are disabled, their internalized ableism results in them believing we are not capable. When confronted by the relative successes of other people with disabilities, they dismiss that success as some people are just better. I want to stop here and add in a quick point. I think at different times all of us have internalized ableism. It's a horrible thing to have to admit, but I think it's true. And I think part of the reason having discussions like this is so important is so we can be honest with ourselves and with our community about ableism and internalized ableism. And so individually we can be more aware of ableism and internalized ableism in our own lives. Models of disability. The models of disability are important to our understanding of disability equity because they provide different perspectives as to how different people view disability and those of us with disabilities. 
while there are many models of disability, I'm going to cover what I believe are the five most common models of disability. Medical model. A person's disability is their individual problem. People with disabilities need to accept there are things we cannot do because we are disabled people. Rights model. Access is a basic human right. Based on principles of human rights, the rights model recognizes that disability is a natural part of human diversity. People with disabilities have the same rights as people without disabilities. Society must not use disability as a reason to deny people rights. Social model. Society is the problem. People have disabilities, but the discrimination, oppression, and exclusion faced by people with disabilities is not an inevitable result of having a disability. The discrimination, oppression, and exclusion of people with disabilities results from the way society is run and organized. Charity model. Disabled people are to be pitied. People without disabilities should provide charity to people with disabilities. This approach often leads to people without disabilities being inspired when those of us with disabilities do ordinary things. Economic model. A person is defined by their ability to work and by how much they can produce. The economic model also assesses the impact disability has on the economic consequences for that individual, the uh, employer, and the state. It considers the economic consequences with no regard for the realities of discrimination and oppression. Let me just pause here and say, of all of these, I prefer the social model by a mile. The ADA it comes out of the rights model, and we've seen how ineffective that has been. So-called rights without a recognition of societal oppression and discrimination doesn't actually achieve much. The charity model, which uh, is really, you see, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times when uh, engaging with people, is offensive. It's downright offensive to say that we should be pitied. Uh, the economic model, unfortunately, is exactly what the SSI and SSDI systems are all about, right? If you have a job, even though you suffer tremendous discrimination in basically every aspect of your life, you are no longer considered disabled. Uh, 
that is categorically absurd and I'm not gonna go down these roads now because they're interesting topics that could take us in a lot of directions but I just wanted to point out those perspectives of these individual models here from my point of view identity first or person first language in most written communications and in many conversations people use what is called person first language many laws including the ADA are written in person first language person first language simply means you put the person first so you say people with disabilities or people who are blind identity first language is far less common but is preferred by many people with disabilities including me when we use identity first language we change the focus from the person to the person's relevant identity so we say disabled person or blind person I prefer identity first language when I'm discussing disability because I know I'm a person I know I'm entitled to inclusion and I know how to get the rights I'm entitled to getting but I'm just as proud of being a blind person blindness is not something that is an add-on to me as a whole person blindness is a fundamental part of who I am as a person blindness has had a profound role in shaping me as a person simply put I'm proud to be blind this may be surprising to some but I'm glad I'm blind I know I'm a better person because of what blindness has given me the opportunity to learn so I want my blindness to be first when I'm discussing my disability impairment in many places including the ADA the word impairment is used to describe disabilities many people with disabilities including me do not consider ourselves impaired sure I cannot see but I'm highly functional while I acknowledge the weaknesses I know I have and while I'm open to learning about weaknesses of mine I'm not yet aware of I am NOT impaired people who aren't as smart as me do not have to describe themselves as impaired people who cannot do as many miles on the elliptical as I can do aren't required to say they are impaired when someone can run faster than me I'm not required to describe my lack of speed as an impairment so I'm not going to say my lack of sight has left me impaired 
I'm blind. I'm not impaired. Disability. The final thing I want to cover is the truth that even the word disability was created by non-disabled people. The word disability, because it was created by people who aren't disabled to describe those of us who are, focuses on the perceived negativity of having a supposed disability. Disability, like disrespect, is a negative word. But the word disability is now such a part of regular conversation that there is little chance of the disabled community replacing the word disability with a word that is not intended to be negative. Conclusion I'm guessing some of these concepts and ideas may be new to most of you, but I hope that even if you don't agree with something I have shared here, you will consider what I have said. I don't want or expect everyone to agree with me. I have my own personal strong reasons for viewing disability equity through the lens in which I view it. I truly believe that if we as a community of disabled people understand and need to champion equity over equality, and if we embrace our status as disabled people, we will be far more effective in creating a society that is more accessible to and inclusive of people with disabilities than is our current society. Simply put, if we don't take open pride in ourselves, and if we fail to acknowledge the strengths our disabilities have given us, most people without disabilities will never fully acknowledge our disabilities and appreciate our value. How the world sees us as a community and how the world sees each of us as individuals depends exclusively on how we see our community and more importantly how each disabled person sees themselves as a disabled person. Thank you for listening. Okay, I'm back now. Uh, and while we wait to see if there uh, are any questions uh, and comments, I want to tell a quick story. Um, so first I wanna check, I'm not getting uh, feedback in my headset. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. You're fine. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, so there's an organization um, called Disability In, just the words Disability In. Disability In says that it focuses on the equality of people with disabilities in the corporate world. 
It has an equality index that ranks corporations about who's doing what to make themselves more accessible to and inclusive of people with disabilities. But the problem is Visibility Inn is not really run by people with disabilities. The board of directors is all people from corporations. Some of them may have disabilities, some of them may not. But their primary reason for being there is their membership as a corporate employee. Organizations also, when you have a corporate sponsor, they're basically paying to be part of this network. And some of the corporate sponsors are organizations, for example, as we've covered on this podcast at length because of what unfortunately has happened to Desiree, Alaska Airlines is a corporate partner of Disability Inn. In a couple of weeks, we will be talking more about another one of their corporate spot, uh, partners um, who will have, be having a complaint filed against them in the near future. Uh, and I bring all this up to say, first of all, there's nothing equitable about this approach. If it doesn't come from community, then it's totally about us without us. If there are no standards for testing the claims of a company's commitment to equality, equity, and inclusivity, and accessibility, then the calling them equitable or saying they believe in equality is a bit farcical, in my view. And I think it's really important to talk about things like this because a lot of people realize, like, they look at these things and they believe there's this overarching commitment until you wind up having to use their services as a person with a disability. And then you realize, oh boy, there's a lot missing here. There's a lot of work to do. And I think initiatives like disability in would be far more impactful and meaningful if they were led by people with disabilities, not by corporations. And, uh, but the rub with that, of course, is where would the money come from to do the work, right? That's the conflict that exists in our society all the time. How can you do advocacy when uh, you need money and your members uh, many of whom don't have money to spare, you go to corporations. And so it creates this conflict of advocacy versus holding people accountable for not following the law. Anyway, I wanted to share that example. Now I want to see if we have, uh, if anyone has questions or comments. Again, uh, these are my views. I don't expect uh, people to agree with all of them. But I thought it was important to share in this space since it so profoundly influences my uh, view of the laws. So oh, do we have hey, any questions? We do. Yep, we Perfect. have Dawn. And Dawn, you should be able to talk because you should, I think you're unmuted. Okay, can you guys hear me? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Go ahead. So I got a couple of things. So first of all, I think we're, so like if you tell a company, hey, I can't pay my I can't pay my bill or I can't access this course because your site isn't accessible. And then like, like, I, I'm not saying that it isn't true, 
but accidents happen. People don't realize things or, and then they just say, I'm sorry, we can't help, you know, after telling them and like, Hey, these are the changes. Why didn't you make them? Then to me, that crosses over into intentional because I agree because you know about, you knew it's like, it's like spilled coffee. You knew the coffee, you knew you spilled the coffee. Why didn't you clean it up? And, you know, so the other thing too is for me, so I am one of those people. So when I go to a meeting and I, and I just, and I do a lot of advocacy work with a, you know, organization called Breaking Silence Advocacy here in, in Dayton, Ohio. So when I go to a meeting of any kind like that, you know, my thing will be, Hey, my name is Dawn and I'm totally blind or I'm visually impaired. It really depends on the context for me to be able to say that. And the other thing, you know, too, I, I, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts and I can't get, I can't get a lot of them organized, but here's kind of the stuff that I can think of off the top of my head now. So there've been times in my life and I'm sure there's times in your life and everyone else is here that, you know, we've kind of needed that. We've kind of needed that pick me up. We've needed that inspiration or that type type of thing. And you're talking to a friend and, you know, and they, and they'll say something to you like, Hey, you know, you might be going through a lot right now and you might have this and you might have this impairment. You might be blind. You might be whatever, but I've seen you go through a heck of a lot worse. And to see you living life the way that you do, sometimes I forget or just anything inspirational kind of like that. What does that make me if I need that every so often? Because face it, I don't care whether you're disabled or not. You need that. Yeah. So just a few points. And again, I want to say again that these are all opinions, right? Everyone has their own opinion, but I just want to comment on some of the things you've said. So everyone does need a pick-me-up. That's true. But we have to start at the fundamental level of why people with disabilities so often need a pick-me-up. And the reason is that so many things that we try to do are not accessible, regardless of what laws we have, what protections we have. Still, many things don't work. And so if like to the example of the company didn't know. Yeah, that's maybe they didn't know, but why aren't they held accountable for not knowing about a 33-year-old law? Why are they not held accountable for not following a law they've been required to follow for more than three decades? And I think those are the where the intentionality versus unintentionality and where the equitable part of this really comes in. And I and I I will be the first to admit, I'm probably on the extreme end of these views. I no longer cut people very much slack. And the reason is that I'm tired of having to do th- so many things in life that other people can just easily do. And I have to struggle to do them and find workarounds, even though I supposedly have these rights. I have these legal rights. In many instances, for all intents and purposes, I don't. Um, and and that's, that's why I think it's, 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 this is such a, a complicated issue, because my uh, rebuttal to that, Don, would be that mm-hmm. if more things worked for you, we wouldn't need 
those kind of pick-me-ups as often as we do. Um, so I think that's where the equitable thing matters. But I want to see if uh, if we have any other points of view. And thank you. As, so has anyone else raised their hand? Okay, wait a minute. Am I unmuted now? Yeah. You are. You're unmuted now. Okay, yes. thank and you. Okay. We have no raised hands in Clubhouse. Thank you. Thank you, Joey. Okay. Um, we have Diane Scalzi. And Diane, I think you should be able to talk. Hold on just a minute. You should be good now, Diane. Okay, can you hear me? Yep, yes, ma'am. Go ahead. All right. All right. Well, uh -huh. I had something just happen to me yesterday, and I, I, I don't know if I have a different, I don't think I have a different point of view. I think I agree with what you're saying, John. Um, yesterday, well, I've been making all kinds of plans to attend the ACB convention in person, and yesterday I uh attempted to make my train reservations on the amtrak phone app for the iphone and well you know a lot of their site is really good it, it, it's perfectly accessible but they have a profile that you have to set up um especially if you want to participate in their rewards program where you have to enter your address including your country and when you click on the uh you know where it says to enter your country it brings up a web dialogue and it has all of these i think they must i think their picture is probably from the descriptions i'm getting but every time you swipe over one of these it just says button 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 mm -hmm. um and so, you know, of course, I got frustrated because there, there are a lot of there's a lot of countries on that list. They have a similar thing when you put your um, address for your credit card. Um, you've got to enter your state. And that also says button, button, button. But there aren't as many of those. So I was able to figure out, you know, which was the right state. But basically by counting. Um, and, and of course, the interesting thing about this is that. To my knowledge, Amtrak only runs service in the United States. So, yeah. So, I'm, why do they have not, all these? I'm countries? not sure why you need to select your country. <laughs> but, um, but the other part of it is, yeah. I mean, Amtrak is clearly covered by Section 508. They're mm -hmm. clearly covered by the ADA. Uh, and they should know better. Yeah, and and that's why I say like. So when a simple thing like booking a train ticket becomes an aggravation and a hassle, uh, in my view, we, that's why we need to focus on equity, not equality. It's, you know, sure, everyone has the same opportunity to potentially book their train ticket, but it's not equitable because you have to go through all of this process to figure out which unlabeled button is your state. Um, right. Things that are so easy for uh, people who do not use assistive technologies to do. And that's why I think, you know, the focus on equality 
um, either means that an entity, you know, like disability and is not really interested in inclusiveness the way we think of it, or they don't really understand what equality and equity mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, I thought I, I, well, I wanted to vent about it for one thing, uh, but. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. But, thank you but it coming. also, I thought, maybe had a little something to do with what we it were does. talking about. It's, so. a, it's, a, it's a good example. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Do we have um, yes. anything else? I'm gonna, yes, I, we do, but I'm going to check with Joey. Joey, do we have anybody on the clubhouse side? Joey, can you hear me? We, we don't have any raised hands. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, we're going to go ahead with this. Okay, we're going to go ahead with Desiree. And Desiree, I think you should be able to talk. Yep, I can talk. <laughs> um, to your uh, to your point, it's probably a third party um, vendor that created that part where you put in your information. Um, that's usually what happens, and then they'll try to tell you, well, well that's not our, not the third party that we used uh, to create that. So uh, that's always fun. Um, but one of the other things I was thinking this morning, actually, um, I I saw a, a post from someone that talked about, you know, this week we had Global Accessibility Awareness Day. Um, it's like Thursday, I think it was. And, you know, the comment was, you know, I'm kind of starting to feel pretty cynical about it because it, we have all of this talk about accessibility awareness and then there's no actual change. And all they do is use that day to talk about how great things can be if they're accessible and we just keep educating and having all of this discussion, but nothing ever actually changes. So that's, that's a comment I had to add. I think that's a, I think that's a sad and true point. And I think what's really hard for me as a person who's been in this for a long time is I see press releases from companies on global accessibility day that I mm -hmm. know have had complaints filed against them that I know have been sued um, for a lack of accessibility. And so it becomes very hard and, and it, it's hard not to be cynical about this because it's it's become a, a runaway train that our community no longer has control over, right? And I think that's why just because you put out a press release, just because you have a badge from some organization that touts your accessibility it doesn't mean that it's real. It doesn't mean that the user experience is the same, which is, again, what equity would demand. And I think your comment about the third-party portal, this is another issue that really irks me as a lawyer, because, again, the law is very clear that they are responsible for their third-party portals and the vendors they contract with, um, but yet none of them seem to know that. We go through this all the time. So mm -hmm. uh, I think those are really good uh, points and thank you for raising them. Mm -hmm. Do we have any other hands? We, oh, hold on just a sec. Just, we do actually, just one sec. Okay. And just so you know, you do not have any in Clubhouse.
Can you hear me? Yes. Um, so my name is Donna from Virginia. So I work for a organization that uses a web-based um, uh, software application to do reservations for our fair transit system. Mm -hmm. When they were developing the system, I told them it needed to be, you know, uh, compliant. I was very specific about it. <laughs> told them what they needed to do and they said they understood um, when it came time to use it. Um, I'm like, this is not, this doesn't have the colors I told you, this has nothing I told you. Oh, you need a plug-in. No, 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 no. That's not what you were told to do. Mm -hmm. Fine. I used the plug-in, but now the plug-in is failing. And now when I will switch to do between in, inside the software, it switches me back to the lighter part. In other words, the, it, the, the plug-in is not working. I have contacted them several times telling them they need to fix this. First, they told me there was nothing wrong. I said, really go try it for yourself. And they, so they did. They finally did. And then they, oh, yeah, you're right. It is messed up. We will look into this. I said, no, don't just look into it. By law, you are supposed to have this, this software compliant for me. And it this is, is a law. paratransit thing. This is a program for people with disabilities that <laughs> yes. discriminates yes. against people with disabilities. Yep. Even the app is compliant, yep. but not completely. People are having problems with it. So um, I am getting ready to contact them again and tell them you will be sued if you keep this up. I mean, I'm going to be flat out honest with them. I'm not going to mix words with them. And I have sort of done that already. One thing uh, I want to I want to make you aware of too that requiring people to have to install a plugin especially if nobody else has to is also not legal. It's a different experience. Mm -hmm. and, yep. and how would people know that they have to install this one special plugin and then they have to have the ability, the knowledge to know how to install the plugin so there's nothing equitable about that experience and exactly and i and ran all guess, that didn't know i don't come, didn't even know where to yeah. get it from yeah and you don't have to disclose but my assumption is that you're a person with a disability as well yes mm -hmm. uh, okay and I'm, visually so, I'm visually impaired yeah. yes so so again to me this is this is where the problem comes in they had a person with a disability telling them and it and they didn't listen at all. And so at this point, it's really hard to say that this is unintentional. This seems pretty deliberate to me. Yep. Yep. And I think and yeah. It would ahead. never work with a screen reader. And never. Yeah. It would never, and, ever. So if I had to and I told them they needed to make it where it would work with one. I told them the whole thing. Um, and um I used legal terms for the compliance, everything still came back and i even and had is, somebody who does yeah. know but all that can uh, see it and they told me i am right it is not even close and to this compliant. is and this is unfortunately what's going to happen and this is what <laughs> i talked about before is it's going to require people to actually file a complaint and and that's really sad 
because again, they were warned by a person with a disability ahead of time. They ignored that. Then they pretended it wasn't happening. Then they tried to blame you and say, oh, you know, it's not really that way. Um, yep. and, and it's going to take somebody filing a an official complaint or a lawsuit. And, and it shouldn't come down to this. People should just follow the law. Yep. And, you know, we have an expression all the time that ignorance of the law is no excuse. But so often we let that be an excuse. We let people say, oh, well, gee, shucks, we didn't really know. Oh, you know. But at what point do you say these laws have been around for decades? If you're hiring web compliance people who don't know these laws, then you're hiring the wrong people. Um, yeah, the comments I would get, oh, this is not our department. This is theirs. This is that they were blaming other people. And of course, that's what they always yep. do. That's, that's, yep. It's always, oh, it's not me, it's them. And then they say, well, it's not me, it's them. But yep. at the end of the day, as a person with a disability, you can't, still can't do the thing you need to do. And nope, not you well anyway. Yeah, and you have a whole bunch of aggravation and frustration. And so, you know, and again, it's it, these are very hard things, but I think we have to change the way we look at it. And this is just my view. We have to stop making excuses for people. We I have agree. to hold people accountable. We have to file complaints as individuals. Uh, I'd like to see advocacy organizations take more stands against this stuff. Uh, you know, it really shouldn't be this way. It's wrong. And I think everyone with a disability on some level knows it's wrong, but we just don't know exactly what to do. And I hope that what we're doing here at least gives people a little bit more of an idea of what to do and how to frame things. But I think you do have a question in Clubhouse. Comment, Donna. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can go to whoever the person in Thank Clubhouse you. is. Thank you, Donna. Uh, Kels, uh, Jim is next in Clubhouse, unless you Thank want to take you. a Zoom person first. No, no we, we don't have anybody. Jim. Let's go ahead. You're good to talk. Thank you. Uh, this is Jim. And um, I'm retired now uh, because somebody built a wall and didn't barricade it. And I was between guide dogs. So I was a certified, nationally certified rehab counselor in the U.S., which basically means I took the equivalent of the bar exam for rehab counselors in the U.S. Uh, you know, and so I've been advocating for a long time. And one of the things that I've run into even both with the Greyhound app and the Amtrak app, and unfortunately, even with the app of this particular platform, uh, is that what happens sometimes is you get routed to the IT departments and they kind of put you in line with the people that don't like particular font or graphic or whatever. And they say, right. oh, well, we're working yeah. on that. And like, mm -hmm. I ran into an issue and I'm not going to stay on my soapbox long because I'm not trying to pick on Clubhouse, but it's just an example, is that I was in a room with one of the founders. I'm not going to name them because I don't think it's appropriate, but they said, um, well, we've got other things we're trying to push out, but we'll get to that. Um, and I'm like, and excuse the, and the me. Problem, yeah. I mean, excuse me to you, but I mean, excuse me to them. No, I and know. You're fine. The problem and with I that is them, they, I said, it's civil rights. 
Yeah, I said, you've got a sound-oriented yeah. platform here. The blind community swarmed mm-hmm. and shared this like nuts when you guys came out with this. And now yeah. you're telling me that because you're doing this and so that you've got to push out two or three more updates for this, that, and the other before you deal with an accessibility challenge, really? And he's like, yeah. And then he just was, you know, just was done with it. And I mean... I, right. I, but like I said, the IT issue going yeah. back to Greyhound and, and Amtrak, yeah. because I find those apps every other time I open them, something either doesn't work or works or whatever. So I'm with our previous and, speakers. I'm done speaking. And this the problem. Yeah. And the, thank you for, for that, Jim. And the problem with all of that is that they don't view these as civil rights laws. Like, this should come first. If you have a barrier that literally makes it hard or very difficult for people to access the service, that should be first. That's more important than somebody being able to put on a new emoji or a message they like. And but they don't they don't see this that way. They don't see these things. And part of the reason they don't see it that way is because they're not held accountable when uh, when they do these things, like, you know, it would have been interesting to see what that person's response would have been if someone said, you know, Clubhouse is violating the ADA. And if you frame it to them that way, of course, people get very, you know, it changes the dynamic. And and that's why, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not the world's most popular person. Um, but part of the here. reason is okay. that I hold <laughs> I, I I hold people accountable. I, I I point out that you know violating the law is not the same as you want to give people extra emoji. And you know, so I, I think we really have to be focused on what we're talking about. Like it's a legal thing, it's a civil rights thing. Um, it's not just a preference or a hope for a wish, um, but we're almost out of time. So I just want to see if we have really quick any more comments. And thank you, Jim. We don't have any raised hands on Zoom. Do we have anything in Clubhouse, Joey? Uh, I, I guess what I will say to wrap this up is. We got off track because I did one on the fifth uh, Saturday of a, of a month because I wasn't thinking. Um, we are back to our first and third Saturday of the month. Um, I hope I keep track of things and we stick with that. Um, so we will be back in two weeks uh, on, I believe it's June 3rd. Uh, and I thank everybody for uh, listening today. I thank uh, Andrea, Joey, and Nikki their assistance and uh we will see everybody on june 3rd thank you jonathan thank you everybody